0: I was thinking about that song as we were singing it. I have decided to follow Jesus, and you get to this chorus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And I don't think that means we can't get off the path. So let's not get too complacent about that, um, because we certainly can. But it's like there's no turning back, because now I know this knowledge. I know that this capable love. I know... um, what good is out there. I know what hope there is, and there's no turning back from that. The, the cross is before me and the world's behind me. You know, there's, there's no turning back to that. There's no turning back. So what a beautiful song. So why so quiet is what I call this message. And we've, we've, for the past few weeks, we've been talking about our faith and specifically our own individual faith. And although I approached it as a broad topic, faith is a very, very personal thing. Your level of faith, how it looks and feels, and certainly the circumstances and the choices that you've made along this journey, they're all very unique and very special to you. And if you'll recall, I started several weeks ago with the message, Live Like That. And we talked about admiring someone else's faith. Listen to the lyrics of a song, Live Like That. We're talking about coveting it, this faith, by way of recognizing the strength of faith we see in another person. And we want it too. Not necessarily wanting it instead of them. Not that kind of coven. Like, I wish I had it because I don't want them to. But the kind of coven that says, I want that for me. I want to live like that. And we also talked about being mindful of the example of faith that we may be to others. Because like it or not, we're all being watched. This most recent message, it's been two weeks ago now because of the weather. We dug a little deeper into a personal aspect of our faith. And we talked about being a playmaker. Now, we were reminded that each person and their story plays a part in others' lives and can become an integral part in others' stories. We focused on how a relatively quiet way of living a life of faith can serve as a very powerful example and testimony. This week, we're going to talk about leveraging our faithfulness so that we become an intentional influence for Christ's sake and for others. Now this message, it's an application of last week's scripture, remember? If you remember, it's from James 5.20. It said, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. We are all called to be disciples and make disciples of all people. This starts by sharing the good news of our salvation. I shared a statistic that it takes an average of seven, I'll call them attempts, before a person will accept an invitation about Christ, whether that invitation is just to come to church or it's to seek a relationship with him seven times. I encourage you to not give up. You may never know if you're the first person who extended that invitation, the fifth or the seventh, but each one is equally important in reaching that person and that was being a playmaker. And a little over a year ago, I shared a video blog by celebrity entertainer and magician Penn Gillette if you remember that, he was sharing um, a story, something that had happened to him that day following one of his Las Vegas performances. He said a man had approached him, fully knowing that he, Penn, is committed to his view as an atheist. And I always thought, thought that was interesting. He said, he's sitting there talking, he goes, you know, I know there's no God. And I've heard people saying, I don't believe, but I've never heard someone say, I know. I mean, talk about being stubborn in the wrong way. He says, he was reflecting on this thing that had happened and he said, that was a very good man. During his commentary, he made a profound observation and he asked this question. He said, if you see someone about to step off the curb and and you notice a bus is headed towards them, no matter how well you do or how well you don't or how little you don't know that person, no matter what you think of them, good or bad or otherwise, at some point you're gonna pull them out of the way. He then said, if you believe that Jesus is the only way, the father in heaven, how much more important is that than this? And my answer to that question is this, you wouldn't be quiet. You wouldn't hold back. You would be sure that the person heard your warning about the bus. And if they didn't, you'd grab them and pull them to safety. So why are we so quiet about saving their soul? Why do we watch our family, friends, and neighbors struggle and not take action? I use that video as an example of a few things. Number one, the kind of boldness that it takes as a Christian to put yourself out there to talk to someone, to answer a question, to take advantage of an opportunity. In this guy's case it was extremely bold because he could have been made fun of like in front of thousands of people approaching him after the show of this. He knew that Penn Jillette has an objection to what the guy was saying. And he put himself out there. And, and like I said, um, it, it's just, we are called to do that. Maybe not to that level, but in a lot of ways, yes to that level. When a coworker or someone on the street or asks us, you know, how why are you always smiling? You know, Heather, you, you walked here in the snow. Who knows how far, why are you happy about that? And he say, because God made beautiful land. He made beautiful snow and animals to, to run through it. So, because it's, it's a godly perspective to look at it that way. And it's not blind, whatever, optimism. It's not. You have a reason for the faith you have. You do. So the importance of sharing the news um, that last week's scripture, remember, said, it literally saves people. And you could also see how God used the situation with Penn to spread these, this message. It didn't matter to God's purpose what Penn thought of him. God was going to use the situation even Penn's misplaced stubbornness for his glory. As far as I know, Pendulette still claims to be an atheist, but that doesn't take away from the importance that the strangers' actions made in countless lives as this video was made, shared, and discussed. That man was a playmaker and he was not quiet. And this man's name is not known to us, but God knows who he is and Pendulette will likely never forget him. So what credit is that to the man? What's in it for him? I say plenty, plenty. We're not called to love or be generous or show compassion to another for our sake, but for God's sake and for their sake. We will be blessed for it, but that is a bonus and not the reason we should be doing what we're called to do. We've spoken about the situation a few times in our 830 Bible discussions. What if you do something for someone else and they don't know it or acknowledge it, at least in the way we expect, or worse? What if they squander the blessing? You know, when we discussed this around the table on a Sunday morning, several of us had stories from our lives about how we had given money to a stranger or helped out a friend or a family member, and they absolutely blew it, according to us anyway, right? Let me assure you of something. If you give without expectation, Uh, If you give without expectation of response, without seeking credit for yourself, God will respond and give you credit where it matters most, and that's in his courts. And I know everybody in this room, it's easy to say because we're small today, but I know everybody in this room, and you've all given something to someone without an expectation for return. Being here this morning, you're giving your time to God, despite the weather, despite warmer places to be. Okay, Without an expectation, that is true worship. So when I ask the question, why so quiet? I'm not saying you need to be rowdy or attention seeking. You don't need to be on this corner banging drums and yelling at people death and destruction is coming. Save yourselves now. I'm just saying, don't keep your faith to yourself. Make a name for yourself where it matters and that's in heaven. So speaking of names, perhaps you've heard of Dr. Bill Bright. He's the founder of Campus Crusades for Christ or D.L. Moody. He's a well-known evangelist. How about this guy, Billy Graham? Anybody heard of Billy Graham? There's one. Okay. How about Edward Kimball or Henrietta Mears? I, I had neither. Let me tell you a little about these folks. Mr. Kimball was a shoe salesman. Huh? God's talking to you guys. <laughs> Mr. Kimball was a shoe salesman. He worked at a shoe store in Chicago and decided not to be quiet about his God. He shared the gospel with a young man by the name of Dwight, who was a fellow shoe salesman. Dwight responded to the message, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ and ultimately went on to be the greatest evangelist of his generation. It was because of Edward Kimball's faithfulness to share the gospel, this was his obedience to not be quiet about the good news, that the Lord reached Dalmoody, who in turn reached millions. Millions. And what about Miss Mears? In nineteen twenty-eight she was called to teach a Sunday school class at First Presbyterian Church. Under her direction, the class grew from four hundred to four thousand people. That's four thousand. Well, wow. that means you must tell better jokes than I do. <laughs> no, I was being serious. Don't laugh at that. She she later on went to found a, later went on to found the Gospel Light Publishing and the Forest Home Christian Conference Center in Southern California. Of the people she influenced, four hundred went on in a full time Christian service, and among them were Bill Bright and Billy Graham. Henry and of Mirrors did not keep quiet about the Lord and Savior, the ones that she knew. And both these people influenced many for Christ, but did not get the level of accolades and notoriety as, they, as those that they ministered to. Yet they made a difference for the kingdom. And again, God knows their names. What about the boy that was willing to share his lunch one day? And he saw Jesus take that and work a miracle and feed 5,000 people. We don't know his name. Jesus knows his name. So this brings me back to our scripture remember for this week, it's from Matthew 5:14 through 16. It says, "You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead they put it on its stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven." You can't take a light, you can't take this candle up here, or a flashlight, or even the lights in the ceiling and stick them in the ground and expect to provide any light at all. That's what God's saying. He goes, I'm the light. I'm a light through you, but what good is it if you cover it up? When you choose silence or when you choose inaction, you are concealing the light, not only from the others, but you're also keeping it from yourself. It's said that actions speak louder than words. Would you agree with that? In Isaiah twenty-nine, thirteen, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules that they've been taught. Would you agree that when your words aren't followed up by action, you lose a little bit of trustworthiness? I admit when Sherry asked me to do something and I responded with, I'll do it in a minute. We both know what that means. And she'll remind me again later, because that's what it's going to take. Yeah, I'm not alone, am I? (laughs) She calls you too, huh? No. (laughs) (laughs) And if you take action, but your actions don't match up with your words, you lose credibility. I'm not saying Christianity doesn't come with its own brand of hypocrisy, right? We're all called to be Christ-like, and no one aside from Christ himself has mastered that. We all struggle, we all fall short, and we must take up our cross daily and try again to be Christ-like. Maintain his high standard. Let me put it this way. To be a good Christian, you shouldn't aspire to be like other Christians. Rather, you should aspire to be like Christ himself. I'm going to say that again. To be a good Christian, you shouldn't aspire to be like other Christians. Rather, you should be like Christ himself. And this is not a unique challenge. The Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians, he offered these words of encouragement that are still true. And this is from Galatians 6.9. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. In due season. This means it will be in God's timing, not ours. So if you're waiting for the blessing, it'll be when God knows that the perfect time is to get it for you. Let us not grow weary, it says. Some translations use the word tired or discouraged. One paraphrase actually uses the word bored. Don't get discouraged when you're doing good. Don't get bored with it. And I think either of these, you're know, becoming discouraged when you're doing good, it, you know, it, or becoming bored because we, uh, it becomes laborious to do these things that we know we should be doing, almost obligatory. You know, if we're feeling that, we may be, it may be an indication that we're doing is a little more for ourselves than for others. And I'm guilty of this too. Again, God can use these situations too. no matter where your heart is in it. If you give offering money out of guilt, hopefully it's not because I'm saying anything from the pulpit, but if you give money out of guilt, or you help or serve someone else, but you do still kind of begrudgingly, you don't have that level of joy that, that God wants us to have, He'll still use your money. He'll still use your efforts. And He'll use them for His good purposes in the church, in the community, and in the ministries and missions we support as a congregation. And to our neighbors who receive help from the LLM fund, Or the village on the other side of the world that will receive a new cow because of the generosity of this congregation, the blessing is equally created for them, the person, the community, the community with the cow. But you're not opening yourself to the blessing intended for you if you're not giving the way, I'm saying the way, not the quantity that God designed you to give. And that is cheerfully and generously and whatever that may look like to you. You hear me say that giving of our tithes and offerings is a special time and a worshipable part of our weekly services. When asked what is the most important commandment, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Joyfully and generously giving your time, your talents, and your money as a way of expressing your love and trust in God as these are things that occupy our mind and our hearts. And they can be a source of anxiety, right? Especially when you don't have enough time or money. In the Gospel of Luke, it is explained this way. Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and all your mind. And it's added, with all your strength. If we were to love God and give love with all of our strength, what would that look like? What would that look like for you or for me? It's different for each one of us. And how would that change what you're currently doing for the Lord? Would you be upping your game a bit? Hebrews 6.10 reminds us, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work or the love you have shown him as you have helped people, as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We aren't going to be quiet about our faith, about our hope, about the peace and joy that we have through our Christ, our Lord. So let's... Let's let God work through this and work through us. Someone asks answer just a couple questions. How can we influence others for God? I think we start by being good to everyone. Proverbs 3, 27 says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. So we aren't blessed for the sake of being blessed ourselves. I mean, that's wonderful. Like I said earlier, it's a bonus but it's done so that we may be a blessing to others. Secondly, spread the good news. Do it through worship. Do it through witness. Thank God for what he has done for you and give credit to him. Witness, that's kind of a churchy word. It's actually pretty accurate. I mean, we are a witness to the good works that God does and to the many miracles in his creation. But when people hear the word, I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to witness to you. Or let me tell you my testimony they feel inhibited, they, it, it, you know, it, it doesn't sound as personal as it's supposed to be. To that I just want to remind you that you have a story that's yours, it's yours alone. And it's better told by you than anybody else because you've lived it, you've experienced it, you've, you've survived it, you've enjoyed it, you've struggled with it. That is yours and no one can tell that better than you. So be confident in your message and be prepared to share it whenever given an opportunity to do so. In Paul's letter to Titus, he advises, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech. And finally, a way to influence others. Be good to everyone. Spread the good news. Finally, plant good seeds. I like this because, well, our, most of our gardeners aren't here this morning. But I love that because it, it's saying, like just give the Lord a starting point. You aren't responsible for their response. You aren't responsible to solely save them, to get them from introducing the Lord to the greater salvation. God will work through them and other people. We just need to plant the seeds. And that starts with an invitation, a sharing of your story, a sharing of, of a little bit of good news that may not even sound really churchy at the time. Why are you smiling today? Why, what hope do you have? You know, what. When you pray to God because something's going on, you say, let me pray for you. What does that mean? Let me explain this in a different way, a little simpler way. If you want to influence someone for Christ, try this. Choose them. Make a decision. Be intentional in your purpose. Be faithful in your prayer, mindful of the process, including the possibility of rejections or setbacks. Teach them. And you don't have to be a biblical scholar to teach someone about the Lord. You do not have to be well-versed, pardon the pun, to know where in the Bible to find this and speak this. I mean, I think everybody should have a a handful of verses that have something special meaning to them. I've got a couple that are very mean to me that I draw on all the time. And you don't have to have this big answer. In fact, sometimes when when you hem and haw around, you lose a little bit of that credibility you talk about but you know better than anyone else what he's done for you and what he means to you. That's all you need to share and share it in your own words. Show them. Live your life as an example. Let it be one. This is exactly what this week's scripture remember tells us to do. In the book of Acts, we see Paul and Silas. They're in prison okay, for their faith. And scripture tells us, I'm quoting, they were praying and singing hymns to God. And what happened? The prisoners were listening to them how can you be going through this in prison or this job struggle, this financial struggle, and pray to God? Why aren't you cursing him? Why aren't you shaking your fist saying, God, why, you know? People see and people listen, sometimes when you don't want them to. (laughs) So why so quiet? That's this week's message. The better question should be, how could we possibly be quiet? If we are truly amazed, overwhelmed with appreciation and joy for God and what He's done for us and continues, we can't help but express it. We can't help but share it with those, whoever it is around us. Psalm one fifty one through six says this Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, which is everywhere, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with loud, crashing cymbals. Does that sound like a God that wants us to be quiet? I don't know. So let's pray. Father God, first and foremost, you want us to know you and to love you. And you love us right back in a way that we just cannot fully comprehend. God, as we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about what that means, about how we see examples of faith in others, how we ourselves are an example of faith to others, how we can live a life of example that is relatively peaceful and quiet and be faithful to you in that way. And we know that there's a time when we're called to action when we're called to words, to not be silent, when given an opportunity to choose to share our story that only we can tell, to share the reason for the hope we have, to share a little about what we know of you. God, this can look like all kinds of things because we're individuals and we thank you for the individuality you give us, the way you create us to be unique. The way I think is different from the way someone else thinks. The way I worship may be a little different from the way someone else worships. My story is completely different than theirs. But they are all important. They are all important playmakers, not only to ourselves, but those around us. Give us the wisdom to recognize an opportunity. Give us the courage to share whatever needs to be shared or said whether it's an encouraging word or a part of our personal story or just a hug or a smile and eye contact. God, help us to work in this world for your kingdom. God, if there are people in our lives that need to be ministered to and we can be a part of that, help us to see that. God, I just thank you as always for this opportunity to be here once a week to spend an hour or so with my friends and family, praying for you, praying with you, praying to you, worshiping you through songs and giving and prayer. God, scripture says it pleases you, pleases our audience in heaven when we do this. And we thank you that we have a beautiful place to do this. Not only this building, but this world. God, I thank you for those who made it here this morning. I thank you for those that continue to support this church. Those who couldn't make it this morning because of weather or illness or travel. God, as always, you've provided opportunities by way of empty places in the pews. Let them be a reminder to us that this is a place that we should invite and welcome. Let us plant those important first seeds so that you may work from there. God, we just give this all to you. In your name I pray. Amen.